You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Just like that, we're back. Another edition of the Late Kick Extra podcast. It's Tuesday morning. It is December 14th, Year of Our Lord 2021. This is a mailbag. We do it twice a week. It's all college football. And my name is Joshua Pate. I go by Josh for short. Saves you time. Saves me time. Keeps more lead in the pencil. You get it. We've got a lot to talk about, don't we? So normally, they ask me, Josh, are you still going to do normal schedule? We're getting close to Christmas. You know, season's over. Got a little break between bowl season. There is no break. Have you looked around? There is no break. There's debris. There's dust clouds all over the place because so much is going on. I mean, if you were to take a break in Columbia, South Carolina right now, what would you have missed yesterday? The transfer portal's on fire. The coaching market's been on fire. Everything's on fire. All that plus, I don't know if you're aware of this, guys, but, oh, we have an early signing day coming up tomorrow. I'm going to fly out of here Shortly after I record this and then head over to the gym, priorities, uh, we're going to go down to Fort Lauderdale and the whole crew's going down there. Got a lot of folks. Some of these people I've never even seen in person, by the way. AJ King, who does our social for us and does a great job. CYTAJ, if you know, you know. I've never even met him in person, only on Zoom. So I'm very much looking forward to meeting some of our some of our longtime employees that I talk to on a daily basis in person. So we're going to be down there. Make sure you tune into that. It is tomorrow on all sorts of different platforms. We'll be on CBS Sports HQ. Uh, that's the portion of the day where I'll have to dress up like a banker and wear a jacket. But then I get to strip it down and we get to go over to YouTube and just be normal. Imagine. People like you and I just wearing normal shirts and talking about college football instead of trying to pretend like we are putting a man on the moon. Uh, listen, it's, it's their network, so I dress how they tell me to, but you get it. So we will be on the 24-7 Sports YouTube channel for a majority of the afternoon, but we're going to bookend it with appearances on HQ, and we have a special edition of Late Kick Live tomorrow night. We're doing it from Fort Lauderdale. Never done it from down there before. Last time we tried to take the show on the road, we had a little snafu. I haven't told you that story, have I? I'll tell you the story since uh, I'm not angry about it anymore. I've just learned lessons from it, so I'll tell you that story in a little while. But we got to dive into a mailbag this morning. As expected, a lot of you have been asking about the transfer portal, and some of you also asked about why the last true edition of the Late Kick Extra podcast we did sounded so terrible. And a lot of you were really nice about it. You were kind of trying to beat around the bush and say, oh, great show today, but what about this? Uh, it's okay. I went back and listened. I thought it sounded terrible too. Producer Jordan thought it sounded terrible. It's not a problem on his end, we don't think. It's a problem with something I may have accidentally hit on this microphone, but it sounded like every time I talked and then took a breath, it sounded like I was drowning in the middle of an ocean. I don't know what caused it. And I hope that this recording is not like that, or else this sounds really stupid. But we're going to try and get past that. So a lot of questions about that problem may be solved. A lot of questions about the transfer portal and about all these players going all over the place. Uh, If it's a problem, we haven't solved it. If it is a solution for your program, maybe you found it. And we got to start with the big breaking news last night. Normally, I would save all this for Late Kick Live tonight, but we don't have an episode tonight because I will be in the air somewhere over my home state of Georgia en route to rainy Florida. How disappointing, by the way. How disappointing do you think that was for me? I'm in Nashville, which is the most north I've ever lived in my life. uh, And I know that we're going to be able to take a trip in December 
to South Florida. Now, how does that sound to you? It sounds like an escape. It doesn't sound like a work trip. It sounds like a vacation masquerading as a work trip. But then you get closer and closer and closer, and you look at that eight-day forecast, and you realize, oh, cool, it's going to rain all week in South Florida. That's great. Won't even see the sun. The last time you see the sun in South Florida will be on your approach when you start your descent, you know, and you go through the cloud deck. Apparently, the next time I will see the sun somehow will be when I come back to Nashville. I am disappointed. I really wish you guys had better control of your state down there. Normally, I love Florida, but I got to be honest, I'm not crazy about what I'm seeing right now, but we'll be down there anyway. More on that later. Let's get back on track. A lot of you obviously asking about the transfer portal. There was big news last night. This is why it's so critical to be tuned in this time of year. Look, if you do believe in the offseason, we don't, but if you do believe in one, don't let it start early. That's like being a senior in high school, but kind of checking out midway through spring semester. Listen, if you've got good grades, it's probably not going to matter, but if you're a borderline kid, Some of us live that life. If you're a borderline kid, you got to keep it nose to the grind until they hand you that diploma and they put that weird looking cap on your head or else those juniors that you've made fun of uh, for the past year may end up being your classmates this fall. So keep it focused. I know we got Christmas coming up, but keep it focused. Got signing day coming up, but keep it focused. I could just go on and on and on about what's distracting right now. But the transfer portal is churning. It's on fire. And if you were not tuned in last night, South Carolina made big moves, and a lot of you asked about it. Many of you Carolina fans asked about it just because you want to be told how great you are. I I have no problem with that. (laughs) I don't say that in a mocking tone, because I'm about to tell you how great this was. Uh, But the others of you kind of asked about it in a curious manner. Like, what does this mean for South Carolina? Is this an indication of bigger things moving forward? Is this the last time that we could see a program, you know, come from the dead and all of a sudden own a day or maybe just own the cycle of the transfer portal? Uh, Well, no, I don't think this is the last time at all. I tend to remember that Michigan State made pretty big splashes, plural, this time last year with this. So here's what happened if you missed it. Spencer Rattler, former starting quarterback there, a former Heisman Trophy favorite, if that matters to you, at Oklahoma, and Austin Stogner, one of their former second-team All-American tight ends, they both are headed from Norman to Columbia, South Carolina. Now, let me give you a little behind the scenes on this. The transfer portal is still new. And so the way people handle it is still being figured out. And by people, I mean coaching staffs. I talk to a lot of coaches, and most of the time, I don't know more than they do. Sometimes I've heard something maybe that they haven't heard, but you get a little bit more heads up than I thought I would sometimes that these things are going down. So I had a little bit of a heads up where this was trending, but also there is a lot of due diligence that has to be done. And sometimes you find out about what one program is going to do by another set of coaches. So it's really weird sometimes if you tried to play connect the dots on how did this person know that? It's kind of like in coaching searches. How did this person know that coach was going there? Good luck. It's a spider web. Uh, You would never figure it out. So don't even bother. But there was a heads up, I would say by about 48 hours or so that something like this was about to go down. Carolina was positioning to make a pretty big move. Uh, But also, here's what's the inside baseball portion of it. They are trying to figure things out the same way you and I are. They're trying to figure out where someone else is going, uh, who else may be coming on the market that's not already on the market, because you don't want to make a permanent roster move, and then 24 hours later you see, oh, I didn't know he was going on the market. If we would have known that, we would have held off. Well, Carolina was doing their due diligence, as every program is behind the scenes, They surveyed the landscape, as I tweeted last night. They assessed the situation, and then Shane Beamer and his staff realized it's time to choose portal violence. Register trademark now. 
Portal violence was initiated, and they go and get Spencer Rattler, and they go and they get Austin Stogner. I'm really crazy about Stogner, by the way. I know everyone knows about Rattler. I thought Stogner was going to end up in Columbus. I thought he was going to end up at Ohio State. So he goes to Columbia, South Carolina. So what does this all mean? Well, here's what it means first and foremost, even more so than the personnel. It means South Carolina's here. It means they're here. It means they're taking this thing seriously. It means they're going to be a force to be dealt with in this arena. Now, that doesn't mean that they're going to pull a Michigan State next year and all of a sudden ascend to the top 10 of the playoff rankings late in the season. That's not what that means. That's not what you being here means. What being here means is you're going to matter. They're going to know who you are. You're going to be a factor. That's what it means initially. So purely from the Carolina side of things, it's big because this doesn't happen in some vacuum and then it doesn't impact the future. If I am a junior in high school right now, or maybe I'm a sophomore in college, I'm looking and I'm saying, oh, wow, those guys, and I know both of their names. I've been following them. I've seen them in the news. I've watched them on TV already. I've seen some of them on the cover of magazines. Wow, those guys chose South Carolina. That's interesting. Because up to this point, I don't know much about Shane Beamer. Unless I'm a South Carolina kid or I'm in the South, maybe I don't know a lot about Shane Beamer. That's interesting. They chose him. Okay, let me just file that away in my memory bank. Now, maybe it won't matter for me in particular down the road, or maybe it will. But everyone just noticed this. And so it's always going to be there when you flip through the little Rolodex in the back of your mind of potential landing spots down the road, or if you're a recruit, potential destination spots, that's there. You just remember that. That matters very much. It's a data point in history to draw on. Here's the best way to correlate it to your life. If you bet a lot and you bet a temple game one time and you bet over 42 and they got to 31 before the half and then they totally sat on the ball in the second half. Next time, three weeks down the road, there's a temple game and you want to bet the over. You want to know what you're going to think about? You're going to think about that. You're going to say, do I really want to bet this over? Because Boy, Temple, I remember one time it looked for all the world like they had that over locked up and then they totally took the air out of the ball in the second half. It's there. It's in your memory bank. It is fresh in that little Rolodex in the back of your mind. It matters. It's going to impact potentially your decision. Well, if South Carolina's making moves or if your program's making moves, all of a sudden, if it didn't involve you a month ago, but now all of a sudden you have your own decision to make, it's in the back of your mind. So that's important. South Carolina planted some seeds. Secondly, which really should be the first point, they got two really dynamic players that are going to improve their roster. That matters also. But zoom it out. Zoom it out. If you're a Texas Tech fan or if you're a Cal fan or if you're a Kentucky fan, this matters to you too. And here's why it matters. There's a very, very big dynamic shift happening in college football. And none of us really fully know what the ramifications are going to be. So last year, one of the ramifications early on of the transfer portal was Michigan State, as I mentioned before. Michigan State and Mel Tucker, they were able to somehow come into a season where the Vegas over-under win total for that team was four or four and a half, and they ended up winning 10 games. How did they do that? Well, obviously, you had to have really good coaching there, really good organizational structure and the like, but what they did is they attacked the transfer portal. They brought in a lot of guys that since they weren't initially recruited by Michigan State, they weren't baked into the roster. And then the transfer portal additions were not properly baked into the formula to decide how good they were going to be next year. And they overachieved relative to everyone's expectation. Not even the wildest of Michigan State fans expected what they achieved this year. So now we got a South Carolina data point to look at in our own right. What does it all mean is what everyone wants to know. Well, I think what you're seeing here is you're seeing two examples. This is limited, but we'll see how big the sample size gets. You're seeing two examples of programs that 
are not perennial top five recruiters. We won't be looking at Alabama, Ohio State, and Michigan State, or Alabama, Georgia, Texas A&M, and South Carolina on signing day. It won't stack up that way. Probably never will. But what we are looking at is this entire new layer of the recruiting process. I just call it rebounding, for lack of a better term. You don't always get to take the threes. You know, if you're South Carolina, you don't always get to go after the five-star guys. You can go after them. It's not likely that you beat out the premier programs to land them. Ditto for Michigan State. But what we're learning now with the transfer portal is you don't always have to be the one taking the three. What you do need to be is you need to be able to box out down low. Here we go. Late tip. College basketball special. You need to box out down low, and you need to be able to get the rebounds. These premier recruiting programs, think of them as high-volume three-shooters. And they shoot, and they shoot, and they shoot. And even if they're Steph Curry, they make a high percentage of them, but they don't make all of them. They, they don't have room for all of them to play. Or you could also have a situation like you have at Oklahoma right now where maybe they did play, but whatever happened, happened. Or maybe the coaching staff moves on, and it's not a good fit with the new coaching staff. Regardless of why they're in the portal, they're in the portal. Uh, that's your rebound opportunity. You got to be really good at the rebounds. You got to be really good at getting the ones that don't go in. That's what South Carolina just did. Uh, South Carolina did not have a good shot at Spencer Rattler out of high school. It doesn't matter now because he's going to be dressed in South Carolina attire this fall. Ditto with Austin Stogner. Didn't have a shot with him really out of high school, but he's there now. Michigan State with most of the guys they just brought in last year. Jerome Ford at Cincinnati. They didn't have a shot at him out of high school. Now he's going to be their number one running back in the playoffs. This is just really good rebounding. Now I'll tell you what could happen down the road. You know, maybe it's in the near future. Maybe it's not in the too distant future. If you're a fan out there, as many of you are, of a traditional B or C tier program, I'm going to let you decide where you fall in the pecking order. But you know what I mean. If you're not a tr what, what they would call a traditional blue blood program, if you're not there, if you guys don't recruit in the top five or maybe even top 10, this is your shot to win a national championship. If you have a solid roster, so you can't be recruiting in the 40s or 50s, but if you have a solid foundational roster makeup, this is your opportunity. Because what you're missing really is a couple of dynamic pieces. Think about how many points per game Bryce Young is worth to Alabama. Bryce Young versus his replacement this year. In fact, on this particular Alabama team, you could also use Jamison Williams. Jamison Williams, how many points has he been worth? That's Alabama's number one wide receiver. Where's number one, actually? Uh, there is a long way to go between Jamison Williams and the next best receiver Alabama has, especially now that John Mechie is out. How many points is he worth? And now I want you to think about someone of that caliber being on the open market, because he was last year. Now you may say, well, Josh, when those kinds of players go on the open market, they'll always end up going to another A-tier program. Maybe they will. I don't necessarily know that I would assume that because you never know what external factors could be in play. You never know what kind of guy left your area geographically to go all the way across the country to a school. Now he's just homesick. So let's take a player the caliber of Jamison Williams, but let's just say he's kind of homesick. And so he's looking for any excuse to get close to home. And your program, your 8-4, and 7-5 and five caliber program historically just happens to be the closest to home. You never know when that's going to pop up. And my point there is you don't need 15 of them. If you otherwise have a solid roster and you've got a really good structure, you never know any given year what adding one or two cannonball splash type additions to your roster could do. And then you get the added benefit of not only what you get out of them that particular year or those particular years, but then you also do what South Carolina just did. You kind of put it in the public psyche. You kind of put it in the back of the public conscience. Hey, this is a thing now. 
coming to South Carolina is a thing, maybe not out of high school, but coming here, we're kind of a transfer portal destination spot. Michigan State's already done that. In the short time the transfer portal's really been around, Michigan State's already established themselves. So I think South Carolina and Shane Beamer, that would be my approach if I were them. If I were Pittman at Arkansas, they just got Jaden Hazelwood out of, Ar- out of uh, Oklahoma, rather. I would do exactly that. I would build a solid foundation, and then I would look to own the transfer portal, float in the 12 to 20 range recruiting, and then make a couple of splashes in the portal, and let's see where that goes every year. And Oh, hey, by the way, notice the two programs I just mentioned, South Carolina and Arkansas. They also happen to be the programs that really overly emphasized culture in their hiring. Got Sam Pittman at Arkansas. He is Arkansas. Got Beamer at South Carolina. He is Carolina. Uh, You know we're pulling for both of them on this show because we love culture fits. We love program fits. And therefore, we think college football needs more of them. And for more of them to happen, you got to have incentive. And the incentive is seeing other people succeed in doing that, even if it means going off the beaten path, looking for coaching candidates. So congratulations and hat tip to both guys. Uh, Brennan is up next. I was going to answer this the other day, but we kind of got sidetracked. So Brennan had a really interesting question here. Now listen closely, because we've talked about this before, and I don't want to go down the whole road of restating my entire argument. Brennan said, you have said putting G5 teams in the playoff is like a remedial student getting straight A's. Why doesn't that same comparison work for hiring coaches that are doing well at lower programs? Now quickly, very quickly, what he's saying is I have made the argument in the past that when we just blindly compare all of these resumes and pretend like all of these programs are playing comparable schedules, you're kidding yourself. When we get to the playoff selection process, when we get to the playoff ranking process, and you got someone lying to you and saying, you are what your record says you are, that's like walking into a school and saying, well, you are what your GPA says you are. Well, that's not true. That's only true if everyone's taking the same classes, but they're not. And so the metaphor I used is, what if I was to just go into school and say, I need the four smartest kids here. And so I went and got the highest GPA in the advanced placement classes. And then I went and got the highest GPA in the regular classes. And then I went and got the highest GPA in the remedial classes. And I just pretended like those were equal because the GPAs were equal. Well, that's not equal. And so I said in years past, the people who have argued that the UCFs of the world, they just belong in the playoff because they're undefeated. That would be like me walking in and saying, all right, the kid who's making straight A's in the remedial class, we absolutely have to take him over the kid who's got a B-plus average in the advanced placement class because, well, he's just got a higher grade. Well, that's not the full context. So in college football, likewise, you've got to bake in strength of schedule way more so than they do at the pro level because there is way more volatility in strength of schedule at the college level. That's why I don't believe in auto bids for conferences because any given year you could just have a trash conference and it doesn't mean anything to me that you won the conference in and of itself because you could have been an average team and done that in that given year. So anyway, now that we've got the context out of the way, Brennan is saying, okay, if you feel that way and you feel like just because a G5 team won their conference and has a good record, that doesn't automatically qualify them for the playoff. Why don't you feel the same way? about these Power 5 programs hiring G5 coaches. Shouldn't the same logic stand? That just because that G5 coach has achieved down there, you know, it doesn't automatically mean that he's going to achieve up here. That's true. I don't view this as apples to apples, but this is a really good question. So let me take a couple of minutes on it. There is a difference here to me. One is a job market and one is a merit-based competition. But this also happens to be a perfect point to insert another argument for a G5 playoff. Sounds like it's out of left field, but it's really not. Let's say I am judging you as a coach, not your team. I'm just judging you as a coach and I'm trying to compare you to maybe other coaches at all different levels. Well, here's the fortunate part. You as a coach, if you're the coach at Louisiana Monroe, 
I get to judge you every Saturday because you're playing against programs that have comparable resources to you or roughly comparable resources. You're playing in a conference that has other teams and they largely have the same resource pool. I'm not taking Louisiana Monroe and marching them into Auburn or marching them into Texas A&M in normal conference play and trying to judge you as a coach versus those teams. That result doesn't tell me much of anything because they have way more to work with than you do. So I get to see you every Saturday on that scale. And the ultimate way to judge a coach and how he would do at the highest level is how is he performing against teams with comparable resources? Now think about what I'm saying very closely here. I know it sounds complicated, but it's not. Here's the difference in judging the coach versus me not wanting those G5 teams to have an auto spot in the playoff. When I see that coach achieve at Louisiana Monroe and I need to hire someone at the University of Tennessee, I don't look at him and say, good, that coach is achieving at UL Monroe, so I'm going to bring him to Tennessee and I'm going to give him the exact same things he had at UL Monroe and expect him to compete in the SEC. No, that's not what I do. What I look at is I say, he achieved with equal resources in that conference, so therefore if I bring him to this conference and give him equal resources, it stands to reason he should also have a good shot at achieving here. Notice what I changed. I changed the status quo. The status quo being the resources he has. He's got better facilities. He's got a much bigger recruiting budget. He's got a much bigger staff. He's got everything bigger. That's what it would take for him to compete here. In the playoff selection process, we're not doing that. We're watching programs with less resources, and we're watching programs with lesser talented rosters, and we're watching programs with weaker relative schedules compete, and then put up a record that looks like the big boys and saying, they're equal to the big boys. They deserve a shot against the big boys. No, they don't. They don't at all. What I would love is I would love the check and balance to be in the process of a G5 playoff. That way, if you are Central Florida and you are dominating at your level, you get a tournament at the end of your season filled with teams on your level so that you can compete at your level. I'm not going to blindly respect the result you put up at your level when it comes to comparing you to teams that are above your level and competition that is above your level. I respect the result. Don't get me wrong. It sounded like I don't. I respect the result. I don't respect being told to compare it to programs that are playing at a much higher level. I don't respect that. I hope that made sense. It may not have. If it, if it didn't, it's my fault. But look, I've got to do a radio hit in Portland. It's about to happen right now. Now, I was also about to answer a question from Stephen about Dan Lanning at Oregon. And so the best thing I think to do is what I've never done before. And I'm just going to literally hold the phone up to the mic when we go live here in a couple of minutes. And whenever they ask me about Lanning, I'm just going to record it in the podcast. So this is the classic kill two birds with one stone. Uh, let's toss the break and we'll be right back. And hey, let's just see where this takes us. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. 
Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Okay, so I'm on hold. Uh, we're about to do a radio hit up in Portland. Uh, this is Dirt and Sprague. A lot of you know them in the Pacific Northwest. Let's just see where this goes. Let's see what they want to know about the hiring of Dan Lanning at Oregon. Friends, And you can find him on Late Kick Live, the Late Kick podcast with Josh Pate at on Twitter at Late Kick. Josh, give him a follow. He's one of our favorites in Nashville, Tennessee, and uh, he joins us now. Good morning, Josh. Thanks for hopping on with us. Yeah. So let me tell you what's going on right now. So I'm in the middle of recording the aforementioned podcast, and I had literally come to the point in the podcast where I was going to talk about Dan Landing to Oregon, and then I realized, hey, I got to go on in Portland. Uh, how about this? How about I'll just keep the podcast going, and the portion of this interview that has to do with Dan Lanning, I'll just let it double as podcast recording. So we're actually recording Dude. the pod right now, so welcome Let's to the podcast, go. guys. Hey, thanks, Let's Josh. Go. It's nice to be on, man. Yesterday I asked Josh to come on, and he started with no, and I'm like, ah. <laughs> and then he said he would make room for us. Um, let's get into it then. Dan Lanning, Oregon hires a guy that most people out here had never even heard of. He's 35. The coordinator from Georgia, supposed to be a great recruiter. That's about as much as we really know. You're a little more closer over there. You follow the SEC probably closer than a lot of us. Uh, what can you tell us? Did Oregon hit a home run in this and a guy that not many people knew about? I like the hire. Yeah, I really do. Um, I, I want to always wait. When you hire a coordinator or a G5 guy, I always want to wait for him to fill out a staff before we pass full judgment on it. But the initial take was love the hire. Now, here's one thing you need to know. So when Saban or Kirby, when they have assistant coaches in the Southeast, they don't really let him talk to the media. They're like a couple of times a year they let him talk. So people have watched Dan Lanning. But unless you've actually had access to the program or you've seen him in the coaching clinic circuit, you don't really know a whole lot about his personality. But if you are close to him, you know he's got a really fiery personality. I think all the feedback we heard yesterday from the players talking about how he's really hungry, he's determined, he's motivated. He views that as a destination job. I can guarantee you that's all valid. Now, here's what I love about it. What I love about it is he and many coaches that were up for this job, I know from talking to folks around the South, they looked at the Oregon job specifically as a West Coast destination because they have the same kind of critical factors and traits in the evaluation and development process that Mario does. Mario had essentially been out there and already put together what they would view as an SEC kind of roster, a style of roster that they were going to want to build anyway. So normally, think about this. If you were a guy at Georgia in years past and you were going to take a West Coast job, the first thing that comes to your mind is, well, I'm going to have to overturn the roster. You don't have to do that at Oregon because the critical traits and factors and characteristics Mario looked for, uh, that's the same thing Dan Landing's going to look for. So that was bonus number one. Here's bonus number two. And I think Mario really revealed this to them a lot more than even they were aware of at Oregon. That is, the brand appeal is real. Everyone's bragged about the brand appeal of Oregon, but they never really fully put it into practice in recruiting. Mario went all over the country, took that little uh, yellow O with him, and he walked in living rooms all over the place. TriQuest Bridges is from Lynette, Alabama. I covered him in high school. They got him to leave rural Alabama and go all the way to the Pacific Northwest. They did it because that's real, but you got to give kids a reason to go up there. So Mario gave them a reason to go up there. Dan Lanning, I think, will also give them a reason to go up there. I think people are going to love him up there. And I also welcome this change that I was told would never come again 
of major programs like Notre Dame with Freeman or like Oklahoma with Venables and now Oregon with Lanning giving defensive coaches a chance? Because like three or four years ago, I was told that would never happen again. <laughs> it's always got to be the up-and-coming offensive minds, right? They're the only guys that can get jobs. And on that note, Josh, like – I found it interesting that they went that direction in the current state of the conference, right? Like you have Lincoln Riley get hired down at USC. Kalen DeBoer is a good offensive mind in Fresno. He goes up to Washington. We know what Jonathan Smith has done, and I think he's a brilliant offensive mind down in Corvallis. But it, you, you like that kind of counterbalance of saying, hey, you guys are all going to try and you know run up the score and score a bunch of points. We're going to try and find somebody that can stop you. Well, if I were to look at Lincoln Riley, and that's absolutely where the focus is right now in the Pac-12, if I were to look at Lincoln Riley, I would not ask, how has he done in conference play? You know, I wouldn't just look at that. I would look at how he's done in postseason play. I would look at what has stopped him. And I've seen him. You know, I would go back to the reference point of Alabama a few years back and how they got a 28-0 lead early. Or why has Kansas State, let's go to the conference, why has Kansas State had some success? Why has Oklahoma always dropped a game or two, it feels like, every year that's kept them from playing for a national title? Well, that's what it is. You came up against a team that was more physical than you. You came up against a team that could own the line of scrimmage. And so I know it looks like running around everyone is the formula for success sometimes. But if you can run through people, there is still no better path between you and a championship than just being able to run through people. Okay, and we're back. I just finished the interview, and we're back. I know it all sounds like it happened in real time, but that was about a 20, 25-minute span. Uh, hey, those radio hits, we do them all day. I'm all across the country doing those. Don't ever think for a second they don't care about their football on the West Coast. I'm on the West Coast all the time. I do L.A., I do Portland, as you just heard. I do Portland a lot. So, yeah, they love their football out on the West Coast. Don't believe all the stereotypes. That's not all true. Uh, also, before we wrap up today, I did want to tell you this. I promised you the story, and I completely forgot to tell it. So a couple of weeks ago, as you know, for the SEC championship game, we were going to do Late Kick Live on Thursday night in Atlanta. And it wasn't that we had travel issues. We were there. And it wasn't that we had motivation issues. Boy, we were ready to go. It wasn't that we had venue issues because we had our choice. We were going to go to either Mercedes-Benz Stadium or we had the entire college Football Hall of Fame just given to us long after they closed at five o'clock. So we're going to do our show from an empty college football Hall of Fame. All that was ready. Here's the problem. Uh, an unnamed shipping company failed to get half of our equipment to Atlanta in time. And then they tried to tell us it didn't exist. Like we had been in Detroit the week before. Here's how this works on the road. We go on the road and Big Game Dane, who is our on-site producer and camera operator, he uh, logistically handles all this stuff. So we're at Ohio State, Michigan the week before. This is a ton of equipment that we travel with to do full broadcast live hits. And so what we'll do frequently, and he did this week, is he'll package it up and he'll ship it from Detroit right onto the next city we need it in, in this case, Atlanta. So it gets there in plenty of time. You just ship it to your hotel, all's well. Except for this time, when you get to the hotel the next week, heading into the weekend, and there is half of the equipment there and half of it is, I don't know, Shruggy emoji. No one knows. And then you hit up the unnamed shipping company and they tell you, uh, yeah, we don't have a record of that existing, which is fascinating because half of it got there. Uh, so there's evidence that this stuff does exist. It's not like we shipped half of it and threw half of it in a recycle bin somewhere. It does exist, but they tell you it's got to be missing for, I think the number was 120 days before they can actually classify it as missing. How great, by the way, to know around the Christmas season. Kiddos, if you don't get your presents on Christmas, it's okay. Don't cry until March, because then, and only then, can we safely assume that Santa has not come. So I'm at the College Football Hall of Fame. 
It is an hour and a half before showtime. Director Colin and producer Jesse are back in Nashville. They've been working all day. Full disclosure, we had three new PAs in the building that day, production assistants. That's what PA stands for. And we had them, and that was going to be their first show. And we had Big Game Dane and myself there in Atlanta. And then we realized we are not going to get our equipment here. And so we had to call it. And I had one of two choices. Either we could do a ratchety cell phone or laptop version from the roof of a parking deck or a hotel, or we could just put it off and we could bring you the broadcast you're used to. And I made the decision, we're not doing it. There's a certain standard that we're going to meet in our broadcast. And if we cannot meet it, then we are not going to settle for less. We're just not going to do it. And so that night instead, I went and did a Twitter space event. My first will not be my last. That Oregon Twitter space probably changed the game over the past weekend. If you know, you know. And uh, if you don't, I talked about it in the last edition of Late Kick Live pretty extensively. So I'm going to do more of those anyway. But that was my first foray. Foray. How do you say that word? Foray. My first foray. Something along those lines. My first dip of the toe into Twitter spaces was that night. But that's what happened. So those of you who were wondering, that is how that went down and we were unable to get a show on the air. Luckily, this is just between producer Jordan and I. So rarely do we screw up unless I have breathing issues on air. And that's really more a mic issue than me. But I got to get this sent off. We have got Late Kick Live coming up Wednesday night. Wednesday night, guys. And then again on Thursday night. So you're going to still get your shows. They're just going to be backed up a little bit. So bear with me. No show tonight. Uh, but we will, I don't know, maybe we'll do a Twitter space tonight. Depends on what time we get to Fort Lauderdale. I think I'm, you know, if they're smart, they'll take me out to eat tonight, won't they? I mean, could I not reasonably expect to be wined and dined? When I go down to CBS Sports HQ, I mean, the mothership, that's what they thats what they tell me it is. And it's going to be raining all week. So I, I, we'll see. But keep it locked on Twitter either way. At Late Kick Josh. That platform is very important, guys, because we don't always have the mechanisms in place to be able to communicate immediately. And so that's why, especially this time of year, but I would say all year, you need to be following there. At Late Kick Josh. Instagram, same way. At Late Kick Josh. One more question before we get out of here. Some of you have asked, what about Ramen Noodle Express bowl picks? Yes, they are coming. I want rosters finalized. I am willing to sacrifice early line movement in bowl season for knowing roster moves and knowing who's opting out and who's not. So that's why I have not put those out yet. But yes, those are coming. We will have several of them. So just stay tuned for that. Until next time, for Producer Jordan, I am Josh Payton. Have yourselves a great rest of your day, and God bless. Streaming on Paramount Plus. You're ready, Bob. Well, all right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, One Love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount Plus.